Welcome back to the TPM podcast, Theology of Plain Men. My name is Zach, and I am back with uh, the next uh, episode in a special series we have been doing called Behind the Mic. Uh, this has been a series of podcasts for you to get to know the plain guys um, a little better so you can recognize us as we're just ordinary people who, you know, you interact with every day, uh, just like other people in your lives. Uh, so I am here this time with uh, the guy who has been my friend for a very long time now. I don't know, going on, I don't know, seven years, eight years, whatever it is. Uh, met him freshman year of college. He was the best man in my wedding, Michael Francis. How you doing, Michael? Pretty good, Zach. Happy to be here and part of TPM in this series. All right, so gonna start you off with some softballs uh tell me a little bit about your life growing up where do you come from uh family stuff give me the give me the quick and dirty <laughs> oh i'm not giving you the quick and dirty um okay yeah i'm uh, i'm 100 minnesotan um down from jordan which is minnesota's largest candy store if any of you Ever have seen that big yellow barn on 169 as you drive to Mankato, maybe? That's that's good old Jordan, Minnesota. Uh, grew up there. Two older siblings, both married. Uh, one has a kid and one, the other has a kid on the way. Um, dad's a pilot for Delta. And of anyone in my life, he, I mean, my mom has played a big impact because I was homeschooled. But my dad has played a massive impact on my life. Um he was in the Air Force for 10 years, and neither of my parents were Christians really before uh, 21 or so. Uh, my dad, later 20s, and my mom, early 20s. So both of them were new Christians uh, when they started having us kids. And um, yeah, they both of their life stories have heavily impacted me growing up um, from just uh, learning the value of work and a dollar, um, from working out on a farm on 50 acres, uh, with my parents and siblings. And, um, actually my first job at 11 years old was, uh, working at a vegetable farm for four fifty an hour. And that was the, the way of what life. Wage. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. I worked for pay a couple times a week uh for him and it was if i worked four hours i got 20 bucks if i worked five hours i got 20 bucks so i figured it was about 450 an hour um working for my dad we had to work for room and board he called it so all the land work we did whether it was dragging brush or picking rock or pulling weeds or planting 10 acres of wildflowers um all that was for room and board if we did extra work beyond that we got paid but the pay was awful it was like a bucket of rocks was 50 cents. And as a kid, a bucket of rocks took like an hour to pick. So it was just not worth it. Um, so yeah, that impacted me a lot, obviously. Uh, the other big thing was I was a gymnast for 15 years. My mom was a collegiate gymnast at the U of M and got all of her kids in that. So I did that through high school, um, taught me a lot about sports and, uh, gave me some good, you know, character qualities of, teamwork and discipline and working out five, six days a week. Probably would have done that collegiately if I hadn't messed up my back so bad. So that's another another story there. Uh, but did collegiate gymnastics, and actually a big decision was deciding not to do it in college, which I consider one of the best um, decisions that I made because I ended up going to the U and doing engineering. Went there thinking I would probably graduate in three years. Um, and 
since I didn't do gymnastics, one, I got to do every other intramural sport, which is a ton of fun, but I got to really be involved with crew, um, at the U and that was, that was a big impact on my life. And, uh, with jobs and taking a semester off, I graduated in the normal four years. So, uh, that was all fun and good as well. So that's kind of my story, full Minnesotan, uh, engineering degree from the U of M and, uh, yeah, I guess I've known Zach for almost, yeah, going on seven, eight years now. Wow. <laughs> Time flies. Yeah. So uh, you kind of started to get into it there, but uh, tell me a little bit more about like your coming to faith story. You hinted a little bit at it with your parents and kind of going to college, uh, but kind of walk me through that. Yeah. Um, so like I said, my neither of my parents were Christians growing up. Um, what really pushed my dad towards coming and becoming a Christian was his dad um, died when my dad was – 18 so he was a freshman in college when his dad passed away from skin cancer and the next 10 years he went through kind of a we'll call it a aimless wandering of what's the purpose of life um why are we here um does anything really matter and uh, my dad is not the smartest he grew up very poor um worst high school in New Mexico, as he likes to say, uh, but he's a reader. And if you ever come to my house, there's hundreds of books. And the only way a book got in there is if my dad read it. So um, he read a ton through his 20s while he's in the Air Force. And uh, he found that the the Christian walk and the Christian view was the meaning of life and looking at what Christ had done for him personally was what he wanted to live for. So when he brought that into my childhood, we learned from an early age about uh, Jesus and um, God and that story. So from an early age, I learned it all. And I, I made, uh, what some would say a profession of faith in my younger years, um, at six years old. But I think a lot of that was out of fear, um, fear of pleasing my parents, fear of going to hell, fear of all those things, which some of those are legitimate fears, right? Um, but some of them are just a six year old kid that doesn't really understand everything. Um, and then what I really learned through middle school and high school is identity. Um, I put my identity in who I was. I put it in the sport I did, um, who I could get to like me, things like that. And um, still walked really, you know, straight-laced kid and everything. But I was, I was somewhat two-faced or I'd act differently around church people than I would around other people. Um, all that kind of started to change when I broke my back at 15 uh, doing gymnastics, not severely. I had multiple stress fractures along it, and I started to ask that same question, like, why am I here? And I think one of the best questions I asked, um, albeit it was a scary one, was why is there a billion Muslims in the world? And I wanted to understand why Islam was the fastest-growing religion. And I started down a path of assuming everything I believed was wrong and going back and trying to look at other faiths and other religions and really say, well, who's right? What's truth? What matters? Like, there's a there's a reason why a billion people believe this, right? Um, and I started to study mainly Islam and a little bit of Buddhism. Um, and I kept studying it through high school here and there, read uh, most of the Quran. Um, and I went to college then as an 18 year old that wasn't, you know, quite sure what he believed, but, you know, obviously would identify himself as a Christian. And I actually, my first month at college, I went to a party and I saw my fellow freshmen, uh, who were there drinking and 
doing whatever they could to get acceptance into the group and get acceptance from the people around them. Um, and I just saw the pain in their eyes as they would keep going and they were getting sicker and sicker. And I was like, wait a second. I learned something about acceptance and love and peace. And that's when I really started to understand the main difference between other religions and Christianity. It was simply Jesus and that God had come down and reached down to humanity rather than humanity reaching up to God. Um, and that was really where I think my life story took off from identity and who I was and what I could do, whether it's gymnastics, which was my main identity through high school, um, and that getting ripped away from me with my back being broken and then um, really seeing and embracing that difference, that uniqueness of Christianity and seeing it come alive um, was really where I, uh, we could say, rededicated my life to Christ and just ran after him with everything I had because that's when I started to realize all those passages came alive with Paul saying to live as Christ, to die as gang. More than that, I consider all things lost for the surpassing beauty of knowing Christ as my king. One of my favorite passages, Philippians 3, 7, and 8. Um, and I just saw such beauty in those verses when I saw that my life could be based in something that mattered. And it was based in a God that reached down to man. And it was completely different than any other world religion that I had studied. And that was just beautiful. And from there, I got to see uh, Christ start working in my life, um, in my heart. And then also just seeing the proofs of Christianity um, again in a new light of who Jesus was historically, um, but also spiritually and scripturally and watching how the church had changed. The Christian church, not any particular church, um, had really changed the course of human history through one poor carpenter uh, from Nazareth and seeing that story play through and how incredible that has been. So that's kind of my faith journey of growing up in a Christian home, but really um, needing to be broken and some idols taken away from me to embrace the God of the Bible. Um, so yeah, that's my story. I love it. Uh, thanks, Michael. Um, so tell me a little bit more about what you're up to nowadays uh, with church, with your career. Uh, what are you up to? Yeah, so I got a engineering degree uh, and a management minor from the U, and I pretty much just ran with the management minor, kind of. So I'm a product manager, so I'm, I'm the guy who goes to customers and figure out what they need and bring that back to engineers so they design the right parts. So I'm a straddling between customers and, uh, and products, and I work in the, we'll call it the medical device supplier world. Um, so engineering and business is the career right now. Um, that's where God has placed me. Um, Church-wise, I, I go to Bethesda Church right now. I, I actually teach an introduction to theology class there, um, which has been really wonderful. My church has uh, been great to let me have that opportunity. Um, there And there's quite a few older people at my church and in my class actually they say the average age is about 60 which has been humbling as a guy of 25 to be teaching that class with people who have so much more life experience than I do so um, been there been teaching that uh, but the big thing is I'm getting married in September um, Zach you'll probably be invited we'll see if you yes. may, you might be in that like second round, you know, where enough people say no. So yeah, I was gonna say it. I'll just wait for the no's to come in, and then I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get my yeah. invite. There you go. Uh, 
so I am engaged to a beautiful lady named Jennifer who is so far out of my league that uh, she she can't ever find that out but she is so far out of my league like not even close and Zach knows that for a fact oh, oh so. yeah it's, it's really not close <laughs> um, yeah I I am in so much love with her so I'm excited to get married in, in uh, what six months now I think it's six months from today so and from there, we're actually going to probably be looking for a new church together. So we'll see how that's going. One thing we're doing, which I recommend, I think, to all those young people out there who aren't married yet, is when you do get married and start looking at that, try to use marriage as a time to reset your life, meaning bring everything that you have as a single person to an end, your relationships, your um ties to things and come into marriage empty and then add those things back with your spouse. And that's what Jen and I are doing. And we're already seeing how beautiful that can be of just increasing a bunch of margin and adding rest to our life. Um, and then adding back things that as a couple, we really want to pour into so that we don't, uh, as the crude saying is, uh, we don't want to half-ass two things. We want a whole-ass one thing. <laughs> um, so, do I have to bleep that out or not? I don't. I don't know if that's. I don't think you that, do. That's, that's a Ron think... Swanson quote, so we can go with it, right? <laughs> All right. He's uh, okay with it. So, <laughs> anyway, that's my my one saying. There is. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a a great thing to go for is to rest well and then rededicate yourself. Uh, because you win it where you focus at. So that's my maybe one piece of advice there. So that's where I'm at in my life. And uh, yep. Awesome. Yeah, can confirm. Great idea. Uh, So this is kind of the staple question of the interview here, Michael. Um, What is your defining theological book or concept or moment? Kind of the thing that would be uh, like the thesis statement of theology, according to Michael. Um, Yeah, I think... The, the one I'm going to turn to, and I think maybe this is the one that, that has impacted me the most, and um, I've talked to a few other people about it, flipping through my Bible here, because I'm going to read a few verses, and the, the words matter. Um, comes out of Romans 5. So growing up, um, one of the things my parents did was uh, my mom was big on scripture memorization, and one of the things she had us memorize was the Romans Road, which is five Verses, well, four from Romans and one from Ephesians, excuse me, on on salvation, just a basic path to salvation, like Romans 3.23 for all fall short of the glory of God, right? Um, and one of those verses is Romans 5.8. So I was very familiar with Romans 5.8 growing up. And I just remember um, freshman year, Zach, so you were probably around when I was going through all this, but coming back to Romans five and reading it, um, from the beginning. And I knew verses one through four pretty well and had read those a lot. Then I knew verse eight pretty well. Um, but I, I was reading through verse six through eight in Romans five, verse six says for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly for one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man, someone would dare even to die. And verse 8 is, but God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I went back through that and I said, wow, verse 6, for for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Okay, that's kind of like verse 8. And then verse 7, for one would hardly die for a righteous man. And I stopped there and I said, who would die 
for me and who would I die for? Because I had always thought of this verse as like the president and secret service. It's like secret service will take a bullet for the president, but a righteous man, like a good man, who would I die for? And I thought of like through family and friends and be like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would take a, take a bullet there. I would jump in front of the, the car if I needed to, um, to save them. Um, and the next phrase though, perhaps even for a good man, someone would dare even to die. And I was like, yeah, I see what Paul's getting at there. Like, yeah, for some good people. And then this question hit me, Michael, who would you not die for? And when I started to think of that question, there was one person from high school who stuck out in my head. Um, a guy who at one moment would be my friend and say, we're super tight. And then the next moment he would just make fun, ridicule and, and bully me. And I'm like, I want to die for him. And that quick reaction of just him. And then like, you know, you could add the, the people who, you know, Hitler and whatever, like that didn't matter. For me, it was the personal one. The guy who came to my head right there was like, I want to die for him. He doesn't deserve it. And then I read verse eight, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the theological concept I learned there was, but God demonstrated his own love towards Michael And that while he was still turning away from God, rejecting him, uh, arrogant, prideful, lustful, totally broken, while I was ridiculing and bullying and putting others down and putting Christ down through my words and actions, he still died for me. The love of God does not extend to righteous people. It extends to everyone. So I made a new summary of that verse that was when, when we didn't deserve anything, God gave us everything. And that was the big theological moment for me was realizing that God doesn't want good people. God just wants people. And that was the moment for me. If God didn't die for me when I was perfect in a good little goody two shoes, he died for me when I didn't deserve it. When I wanted to hide from him, that moment that you knew you were dirty from, you know, whether it's sinning sexually or being arrogant or whatever. It's like, that's when God died for you. And that just broke me, just shattered me. And that idea of God's love coming through for somebody who didn't deserve it, let me see mankind in a whole new light because it doesn't really matter uh, the good and the bad, but God loves people. And like looking at the guy from high school again, it was like, oh, Christ died for him still, even though I wouldn't. And that idea of God's love has just resonated through. So my challenge there would be, who would you die for and who wouldn't you die for? Uh, Because Christ died for sinners. So that's what Romans 5.8 says. Awesome. I love it. So uh, now kind of going into the practical piece for listeners, right? We are, even through these interviews, you know, we're still all about practicality. Uh, Michael, to the listener, uh, share a little bit about um, what, like nowadays, uh, how do you actively take steps to walk with God in a day-to-day basis? Yeah, uh, just before this, Zach 
previewed the questions for me and I and Zach's like Michael they're easy they're easy it'll take just a few minutes and uh, I'm one of the last people to here get, we are almost 20 minutes yeah <laughs> here's I knew this would happen uh, he's like oh everyone else's was 15 minutes and I'm like yeah this isn't gonna be 15 minutes but um, this question I said is gonna be hard for me because um, I haven't been walking with the Lord well I felt distant from him in this season um and it's not because he hasn't stopped pursuing me. Um, it's because I've stopped pursuing him in in the last six weeks. And there's reasons for that, and we don't need to get into those because um, I don't I don't really have any excuses. There's no reason I shouldn't be running away from him. Um, but I think the biggest way that I'm coming back, and I talked to Zach that earlier. It's funny we're having this conversation now because earlier today I had started to change my life because of this conviction I've been holding for the last few days of Michael. Like you're not you're not in love with Jesus right now. You need to like your heart is not in a good spot. You need to walk back with Him. Um, and this this can happen through times of transition and stress and you know and times where you lose focus and I lose focus on Christ. And the thing that always brings me back um, to him is prayer. And that is the one Christian discipline that I really want to impact on anyone who ends up listening to this is. Yeah. All four of the people who actually (laughs) listen to our podcast. Yeah. uh, Is prayer. Um, Prayer brings me to my knees before my father in humility and acknowledging that I can't do everything, but he can. In a time of pandemic or saying bye to people who I I know I won't get to see again for a very long time, if ever, um, changing jobs, going from single to married, all those things, it's, it's that humility and it's that prayer that God, you are in control and I'm not. Um, so that's the one thing that I am looking to do and focus on through these next few mornings um, as I um, grow in my love even more for my Savior. And I think that's the place to start um, any kind of practical um, study is with just the humility of acknowledging Christ as Lord and and walking with God in that saying God I'm not in control but you are so I'm going to trust you in this step so that's my practical piece for this final question thank you Michael Um, to all the listeners uh, thank you for being a part of this interview I hope that you were able to see that um, Michael certainly um, is a very plain man um, there's a joke in there. There's some irony in there, but I'll leave that to the listener to figure that one out. Um, it's been a joy. I hope that the verbal processing here was edifying for you. Have a great week.